0: Welcome back to Taking Care of Business. Now, this is a topic that is really hot at the moment, and it's all about resilience, stress, pressure management, and next guest knows all about high-pressure situations. Uh, He works with entrepreneurs and SMEs, and we all know those that do run their own business. There may be short bursts of stress or long-standing situations that require patience and resilience to get through and rise up. He has also worked with big corporates like Coles-Meyer, Toyota St George and the Victorian Parliament. I think politicians at the moment certainly need his help. I'd like to welcome to the show Michael Lykenblatt.
1: Thank you very much. Great to be here.
0: Really great to have you here, Michael. Now, when you're doing corporate work, is there much difference between the corporate work and the work you do with entrepreneurs or SMEs? It's a different
1: type of pressure, but the response to pressure is consistent. What we're seeing now is that people want more in less time. They have fewer resources, so they're being squeezed uh, a lot more for their resources, for their ability to apply themselves under pressure. From a corporate point of view, we're looking at a lot more stakeholders influencing decisions. From an entrepreneurial point of view, Business owners are touching more things. They are being more things in their business. So they're spread a lot more thin and they're feeling the impact of pressure in that way.
0: Okay, so I thought it might be a good place to start uh, talking about some definitions because it got me thinking, and some of our listeners might be thinking the same thing, what's the difference between stress and pressure and resilience? So those three, how do they all sort of fit in together?
1: Certainly, stress is the byproduct when pressure is not managed well. It's sort of like a, a, the blood that comes out when I cut myself is the stress. Uh, the, the, the cut itself is the result of bad pressure management, if you can use that comparison. Resilient is the way in which I handle pressure, not so much that I just cope and get through better, but rather how I am a better version of myself. The traditional approach to, to pressure is being how much can I take? How much can I tolerate? And it's seen as an ability to sort of just toughen up and get through. And don't, you know, don't um, mistake me. There's great value in doing that. However, in modern day resilience, it's not just how well you can cope and how many things you can take on, but how well you can actually be, or how well, how well you can actually apply yourself and be the best version of yourself to actually thrive and be as dollar productive as you can in high pressure, but without Burning yourself out without actually having a at or a cost in some part of the, of your world, personally or professionally.
0: Yeah, oh, that's a great explanation. Because I was thinking about that. I was thinking pressure, stress, but there's, you're also dealing with things like setbacks and rejections, and that's something entrepreneurs really have to learn how to manage. Is that your
1: experience? Oh, absolutely. Look, with the the amount of setbacks and pressures or, or, or rejection that we deal with nowadays is exponential compared to what it was even sort of 10 or so years ago. Markets are more competitive, um, budgets are tighter, and we are doing more with less time, which simply means I'm going to face more... Roadblocks. so there are more people competing for the same, so there are, I've got to work harder and deal with more rejections and setbacks. You'll find this across every industry, from professional services to real estate, through sales, a whole range of industries, which simply means this, that business owners or people in, in, in corporate world need to understand how they can take a setback not be bogged down by it, not be stopped, not be slowed down, but to bounce back faster so that they don't lose a beat when things don't go well or they've put a lot of work into a a client or a sale and it falls over at the end and that may then affect their cash flow and their budget. How do they stay focused? Because one of the core things in business is that your energy now is your currency. So you've got to be able to invest that wisely. So your ability to be resilient and bounce back has direct impact on your bottom line.
0: Yeah, and it's not a matter of if, it's when, as far as rejection setbacks, uh, when you are running your own business. And uh, I get a bit upset about this um, distorted focus on follow your passion, you know, rainbow, rainbows and unicorns and, and there's not enough talk about, okay, so what do you do when you have a bad day? What what happens when you spend hours and days on a proposal or you're pitching for business and, and you you know, you, you lose it or, or you don't even hear back from them. People don't even give you the courtesy of letting you know. All these sort of setbacks and then it can really be very demoralising and can affect your confidence. It can affect so many areas, and of course, that then bleeds into your personal life, doesn't
1: it? Absolutely, and when you say, when, when a person's in a business or area where because they're passionate about it, they're putting heart and soul into what they do, mm-hmm. and in many ways, you're, you're working harder and a lot of other people because you're so committed both personally and you have skin in the game financially as well. So when you've put that work into a proposal or into building up a bunch of relationships with possible prospects and clients and then they all fall over or them fall over and you see the fallout that comes from that both financially and personally, you start thinking, what's wrong with me? The questions we're asking are the wrong questions. You're saying, well, what's, what's wrong with me? What am I doing wrong? You know, why is this happening to me? But the reality is this is just part and parcel with business. And when you're passionately involved, the rejection feels more personal. Now, that's not to say don't be passionately involved. You want to put your heart into what you do. But we want to understand also that that is going to mean that the rejection is going to hurt harder or hurt more because you are taking things to heart. And one of the great importance of resilience is to be lighter and to bounce back. So that, you know, expect the rejection but be able to recover from it faster.
0: Yeah, and I know that you've got lots of answers of how we can do that and you'll be sharing these fascinating and useful and practical insights at the upcoming BITE conference, Business Innovation, Technology and Entrepreneurialism, uh, which I'll be joining you there, Michael. I'm looking forward to to it very much. And so what will you be actually talking about at BITE for those that will come and have a look and listen to what you've got to say?
1: So we're looking at a couple of things. The first, we need to understand the changing landscape of business. You see, if we're busy just working harder, And we're not really adapting to the changing landscape of pressure. All we're doing is chasing our tails, which means that people in business are doing, 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 but not getting any progress. So we're going to talk about how to understand what's happening around them. We're also going to provide with a couple of skills and insights around what it means to be resilient and how you specifically build those strengths. And how that translates to business bottom line, it's not just these touchy-feely skills, these soft skills that feel nice, but they translate to business outcome. And I want to link the behavior change to a take-home ability to be able to perform better and be more personally productive and profitable within your business. And we'll also look at the aspect of adaptability and resilience, that it's a combination of skills. It's not just simply working harder and being stronger and having a tougher shield but there are ways that allow you to perform at your best so this is really the, the psychology of implementation and what it takes to be able to bounce back and how you share that with your team so there'll be a whole bunch of things we'll talk about.
0: I love a segue Michael and thank you for leading me to one because your background is actually in psychology but I also noticed, and I've never come across anyone with a, a more unique background, that you've combined <laughs> that with shiatsu therapy and martial arts. Martial arts and psychology, oh, where do we start?
1: <laughs> well, it's, it's an interest. it is probably just one of the most unique backgrounds when it comes to resilience and in a business context. I guess that what it allows me to do is that the martial arts gives me an understanding of how to read patterns and people and how to perform mm-hmm. in high-pressure environments because nothing says focus when someone's trying to hit you and hurt you. So there's a, there's a great um, learning that comes from staying calm under pressure. And for me, the psychology is about understanding behaviour, that what you see is not always what you get. So often if you can understand what motivates us and how we get things done or what we do to avoid activation and avoid implementation, this is key to resilience. And the shiatsu really, it, it looks at the way people process pressure. And if you can understand the way you process pressure mentally and even physically, how well you hold it, and if you can flip that and you know what switches to flip, you, just, you go from coasting or just getting through your day and dealing with stress to being high performance and bouncing back. It is a, it's a very distinct transition between those two. And I find that these behavioural changes is what allows people to build that resilience deliberately rather than just endure, endure and then burn out in the process.
0: Yeah, I always find that the most beneficial and uh, useful consultants and speakers are those that have had... Uh, an interesting eclectic background you know to you, you've got lots of zigs and zags there because it's about cross-fertilizing that information and I find most people can uh, that are sort of stayed in their one lane the whole time can get very one-dimensional in their thinking uh, particularly if they are a thought leader which you you know and you're speaking and educating which you do uh, I think that's great that you can actually use that for cross fertilizing but I was thinking about psychology and martial arts and re- resilience and it's almost the perfect recipe because it's about self-defense it's about coping and motivation and you mentioned the word word earlier which is about bounce back and uh, and I think if I put all that in a pot Michael and and I had to get the jus of you I think it is about bounce back I think that's really a real key to it. And
1: and that would be absolutely cool not just to myself but also to the message and how you apply that message. As you draw the analogy to the martial arts, it's actually been said that Real learning in martial arts only occurs when you get your black belt. That's sort of where the true learning starts. Everything up to that is your preparation, which simply means that in life you've got to go through stuff first sometimes before your ears are ready to listen. And I find that working with people in business who have some skin in the game, uh, they're not just green to the old thing, they've turned up with this wonderful passion and ideal they've gone for, but people who are put in the hard yard. But they understand that business can be tough. They're more ready to listen. And I find taking practical approaches, not just wonderful theoretical stuff, but stuff which I've lived myself. I've been driving business now for 30 years, um, lived through ups and downs. Uh, and I'm, I'm a dad of three kids, so I get the fact how it can be hard to balance work and life at times. And the whole concept of work-life balance is this lovely term that doesn't really exist. And the whole concept of resilience It's not about perfection or being bulletproof, but rather your intrinsic and deliberate ability to have a special relationship with pressure that allows you to be the best version of yourself.
0: What a lovely way to finish off. Michael Lightenblatt, thank you so much for your precious time. Our ears and eyes will be ready to listen to your pearls of wisdom at the Bike Conference. I really appreciate your time today and look forward to seeing you there.
1: Absolute
0: pleasure, and thank you very much for being here. Loved it, love it. We love stress, managing stress, managing pressure, managing resilience. We are going to bounce back here on Taking Care of Business. Welcome back to Taking Care of Business. Our next guest is a leadership development expert. She is a behavioural profiler and director of Time to Talk Leadership. Welcome to the program, Sharon Neal.
2: Uh, Thanks, Jackie. Lovely to be speaking to you. Very excited to um, be talking to you about DISC and profiling today.
0: Yes, I always love conversations with you, uh, particularly from my perspective, I have a keen interest in behavioural marketing and neuromarketing and behavioural science and consumer behaviour and this, uh, it certainly involves part of that. So let's get stuck straight into DISC profiling now, D-I-S-C and what do each of those letters stand for?
2: Well, that, that comes up with four profiles, I guess, four different preferences for how we behave and communicate with others. So it's, the D is for a more dominant, direct character that really knows what they want, tells it how it is, really a straight shooter. I is for an influencer who's more about people and relationships. The S is more for the steady profile who likes things to run smoothly, likes all their dust in a row. And the conscientious is the analytical, the um, likes to get things right, a bit of a perfectionist preference, and they're all valuable, um, but they do have differences, which can throw up some interesting scenarios. So why does it work so well?
0: What's its secret power?
2: Well, look, we we use a number of tools at Time to Talk, and this is is really probably our preferred tool. It's simple, and in today's workplace, everyone's got so much in their heads. You know that, Jackie, from all your neuroscience experience. We've got so many messages. We need something that's very simple that we can easily relate to. Um, and we can practically use it back at work, and that's where we see great results with this tool because it is simple and it gets traction at every single level. So we we love it. Um, Our clients love it, not just for at work, though, but it's great for at home, for your teenagers, for your mother-in-law, pesky neighbour if you're having problems with them, so it works across all facets of your life.
0: Yes, so how does it differ from other, uh, I suppose, popular profiling tools like the Myers-Briggs, for instance?
2: Yeah, look, Myers-Briggs is a great tool and we use that quite a bit as well in some of our leadership workshops. Um, And it takes a little bit longer to get into a bit more depth with Myers-Briggs and you are trying to remember a lot of different combinations. So we just find the simplicity of DISC and just the the self-awareness piece, so being a bit more aware of yourself but also being aware of others' preferences and what the gaps may bring about in terms of frustration and also value.
0: Right, yeah. So with the DISC profiling, where have you seen it well used?
2: Uh, Look, anything from from service people understanding their customers and not taking direct messages too harshly, right through to leaders um, at the executive level, understanding their executive teams and what their preferences are and how they're best motivated and where their development gaps might be, um, and using it a lot across organisations cross-functionally to understand different functions and groups within the organisation and bringing them closer together and also project teams, you know, playing to people's strengths in a project team and making sure that we are allocating tasks or jobs or communications to that person's preference. Can you give me
0: an example of how it works, either professionally or personally?
2: Oh, yeah, look, I give you. I could talk (laughs) a lot about posts, Jackie. I've got lots of stories. Um, There's light bulbs with this all the time and we see it in our programs, but Look, we had a lady, I was recently doing some leadership coaching and um, a, the lady I was coaching was a very strong dominant, very, you know, just tells it how it is. And she said to one of the um, team members that she was not doing a good job and, and just told her directly she needed to fix it. But the other lady got quite emotional and ran out sort of very upset because she, whilst it wasn't personal from the dominant character, The other person took it personally. Mm. So there's a big gap between intent and impact. Sometimes we don't intend our messages to come across a certain way. But if someone hears something different, the impact can be quite different for them.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great example. Now there's so much to talk about with disc and it's as you said, I love it that it can be used professionally but also at home. Yeah. <laughs> as, as you said, you're pesky teenagers. But it's look, it certainly helps just identifying, I suppose, your own preferences and the focus being on preferences. It doesn't mean you, you are solely a D a dominant, it means that you can have no. other areas, can't you? Absolutely. It's quite
2: a it's degrees of preference and we have quite a spread. And we also have the capacity to dial up and dial down when we need to, which is the beauty of understanding ourselves a little bit more and understanding others. I might need to adapt my messages a little bit. I have three of those teenagers, and they're actually not pesky, Jackie, but they are three different preferences, and <laughs> it's helped me enormously. Um, I'm polar opposite to one of my teenagers, and she's very analytical and conscientious, and I'm not. So it's really helped us bridge the gap and me to understand her better and us to have... A better relationship which is important for all of us. So it's really about how do we improve our relationship.
0: Now, I've heard you speak many times and I love it every time I learn something new from you because you don't, like a lot of other speakers, just go from script and it's the same thing over and over again. There's always new insights, always new areas of fascination, Sharon Neal, and you are speaking at the Byte Conference, uh, which indeed. is coming up shortly. Now, tell us what are you going to be talking about there without giving too much away?
2: Well, look, it is going to be, as you said right at the beginning, it's about behavioural profiling and it's almost, I know you talk about being a professional eavesdropper, Jackie, it's almost (laughs) like extending that, not just what we hear, but what we observe of others and how can we actually use that information to build better connections, better relationships, get our messages across to others. So it's quite a powerful tool. So it's almost like uh, thinking of criminal minds or SVU and becoming your best behavioural profiler there, but being aware of what's going on around you. So we're going to actually um, give people some insight into the profiles and how they can use them and how they can start recognising that and some really practical tools to walk away with. And that's what I love about this tool. Um, In a short time or even a longer session, you get a real opportunity to give people something that they can use that will make them better in, in themselves but in their relationships with others.
0: Yeah, and particularly for entrepreneurs and small business owners who may not have had exposure to this tool, Uh, certainly it's very popular amongst larger corporates who do have the resources and, and know of its effectiveness. But quite often, small business owners and entrepreneurs don't have access to this sort of tool. So coming along and listening to you and getting some inside tips as to the power, the secret power of DISC will certainly put them in good stead, I think.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And from a small business perspective, getting your message out there, it's such a crowded marketplace, but how do we connect better with people? And even even something as simple as an email, how can we craft that in a way that will be better received by our clients or customers?
0: I love the way you craft those words, Sharon Neal. I look forward <laughs> to seeing you at BITE. And uh, Thanks, thank you thank again, you. as always, for your valuable time and your fascinating insights.
2: No problem. Looking forward to it. And thank you for your enthusiasm about DISC and, and your time today, Jackie.
0: Always a pleasure. You're listening to the best brains in the business here at Taking Care of Business. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Taking Care of Business. Now, one of the areas, particularly small businesses, startups, entrepreneurs, and even medium sized businesses and large sized businesses, all have the similar problem. And one is that they don't know how to handle their PR, media or communications effectively or well. Uh, It's such a specialised area and if businesses can learn how to do this area much better, it's so much more cost effective than advertising most of the time. So today we have the best in the business. She's a great friend of the program. She is a specialist in all those areas. I'd love to welcome back Susan Wright. Hello. Hello, Jackie. How are you? Well, was better talking to you. Now, let's just talk about you. Now, you're the Director of Q Strategies. You've been running Q Strategies, uh, which is a marketing communications business based in Melbourne since 2013, but a number of your clients are global. Now, you do quite a bit of work with Spanish tourism. Tell us a little bit about that and what Q Strategies is up to.
3: Sure. Well, Q Strategies, we've actually been around since 2003, not 2013. Oh, 2003.
0: Sorry, um, I put an extra one there by mistake. 2003.
3: Um, Wow. Yeah, it's been a long time in business and it's been um, an interesting uh, journey too to see how things have really evolved in the area of communications, PR, that field because it certainly has changed quite a bit but um, yes yeah, fan Spain tourism is one of our clients the long-standing client along with another along with other tourism destinations as well so both international and local um, and we've also represented hotels um, other hospitality businesses restaurants wineries um arts and cultural events, all sorts of things in that field Um, and really what we're about is helping those businesses, small or large, get on the map, be known, be seen, be heard Mm. and to create and carve out for themselves the profile that they want and that's some of the stuff that I'm really interested and excited to be talking about at this upcoming conference that you're involved with as well Jackie. Yes,
0: yes, yes. Unfortunately, we're not sharing the stage, but I'm on I think I think you're on a couple of speakers before me, but I'm really excited to see you there and I'm really super excited to hear what you've got to say because, as I said in the introduction, this is an area that a lot of businesses just don't get right. doesn't matter what size they are. It's constantly an area where they continually fail and, and also it's the area most vulnerable. It's the biggest risk if they get it wrong as well. Has that been your experience?
3: It has, and I think what ends up happening is a lot of people, when they're working in their business, um, it's very, very hard to see the wood for the trees and to know, what is it about our business that we need to communicate? What is, it, what is our unique story? Um, what is the way that we need to be getting out there and sharing what we're good at? And for a lot of people, that becomes quite difficult, even if if you think about trying to do that for yourself personally. If somebody asks you, well, hey, Jackie, you know, what are you good at? Mm. Um, It might not be so difficult for you to express that. But for some people, you know, when you start uh, wanting to ask what you're good at, what's your unique talent, it is hard. And that's even the same in businesses. Um, It's often hard to work out exactly what it is that you are wanting to share with the rest of the world and what's going to be notable and what's going to be talked about. So that's a lot of the stuff that we try and navigate um, different businesses, small start-ups, family businesses to multinational about.
0: Because if small businesses particularly understand how to use the media and how to use PR, because PR is so much more, media is just one element of it, but how to use it, it's so much more cost effective than advertising. I see a lot of small businesses and entrepreneurs and startups wanting to market themselves and market their product, service and or business or brand. And they go straight to, oh, let's do an ad in a local paper. And I'm thinking, well, hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> And uh, yes. do you find that as well? Yes, and, and often um, it it can be so much
3: more effective to have that, what is perceived to be a third party endorsement. If you're seen, read about, heard in the media, um, it's it's far more powerful to have that sort of endorsement about your business than to have a local newspaper ad or a... Um, a local magazine ad, for instance. So that third party endorsement is such a powerful tool. And we've worked with businesses over the years that have simply used the power of PR and the power of working with the media to, to launch a business from the ground up. Um, and it, yeah, it, it can be incredibly powerful and, and in some respects, more cost effective and, and easier to track. As well, ah, how that's come about.
0: Yes, the, the measuring, the metrics, really important. Now, the bike conference that uh, you and I are both involved with. What are you going to be talking about?
3: Well, I'm. I've been really thrilled to be asked to, to come along and and talk alongside some really pretty fab
2: speakers as mm. well.
3: And I thought long and hard about well, what what's going to be the best um, best way to share some knowledge and share some um, experience at this particular conference. So. The presentation that I've come up with is about how to how to get your business name out there um, through the media. And so, some of the things I'm going to focus on is a few tips and tricks of the trade that I kind of have worked up as a, a toolkit, if you like, over the years from working with, as we've said, everything from a startup to a to a multinational. But in particular, it's also going to really focus on things like what what can you do to be more newsworthy and what are some of the ideas that you can bring into what you're doing day-to-day to make you worth talking about? Um, and that can not only have benefits for how you could then engage media interest, but it's also about what gets your customers excited or your clients excited or your stakeholders excited to give them something to talk about as well. So it's um, delving a little bit into those sort of tips and tricks and ideas to get you talked about more.
0: Yeah, and these are tips and tricks that the business owner can do themselves. Would, Would they need to engage a professional to do it or could they do it themselves?
3: Well, I think, you know, really at a conference like this, the idea is that you want to go away armed with a whole set of ideas and inspiration for things that you can do for yourself in in your own business. And it might be that, um, you know, by learning and hearing and and having access to a whole range of other ideas that you can go, oh, that sparked something for me that I can apply to my own business. So it's not about suggesting Look, if you had lots and lots of money, or if you had lots and lots of budget, or if you wanted to go out and hire um, external companies to do this, it's it's not about exclusively um, being only able to do those things by having that at your fingertips. The idea is to give you some some insights and knowledge that you could apply yourself. Definitely
0: yeah oh that's that's a great insight and you're right. I think conferences are about that, and uh, it is a stellar lineup. there's fourteen speakers uh, so it's short, sharp, punchy uh, it's useful in the whole day to take a day out of your business as you know is a big deal. Um, the other thing too uh, that I really like about this conference it's it's the only conference or the first one I've been involved with that actually is a not- for profit so it's got a great social purpose, and uh, any money well the, the aims to break even. let's hope that happens. But any extra money goes back into the conference to actually put on a professional uh, event and to make sure that all the attendees really feel they've got extraordinary, extraordinary value for money and it's only $175 a ticket which I was worried it was a bit cheap from the organisers' perspective. But it's certainly a great, great value. I know Frankston City Council have been a great supporter as well as Smart Business Solutions. And R2 or PFM here, we're a media partner, being community-focused as well. So it's just, a, it's just a really good package. And it's not just about the Mornington Peninsula I like. It's about Greater Melbourne. So it's moved to Frankston to incorporate Greater Melbourne uh, and to get some brilliant minds together. You know, like it's a big brain's trust.
3: Exactly. And I know when the organisers first approached me, um, I was just so impressed with the line-up of speakers that were already involved and also the care that's been taken to put together a really interesting line-up that's able to cross-pollinate each other and um, really cover off different areas all different areas of of business. And and I'm looking forward to also hearing the other speakers as well. Um, I always find that when you go to these events, if you can come away with at least one idea that you could apply to your own business, it's been a good day because uh, we all need that ability to take time out and and just get a little bit of extra inspiration or even some clarity on... I've had this kicking around in my head for a while I haven't quite known what to do, but I sort of think I do. And then, if you start hearing some other ideas, it might give you some clarity on on the next steps that you need to take with your business. So, yeah. um, I, I think it's going to be a really great great event. Yeah, it's a like whole going range to of people
0: going to a mental sort of hotel. And just opening up every door and finding out there are some real sort of surprises uh, behind those doors. So you're doing that mentally at these conferences. That's what I like to do. And, then, and have some, you know, practical takeaways. So that's the idea. But Susan Wright, look forward yes. to seeing you there. Very excited to be part of it. And as always, thank you so much for your uh, fascinating insights and your valuable time. No problem, Jackie. We'll see you soon. See you at Bite. Thank you very much. We are listening and picking the best brains in the business world right here on Adult PFM, right back after this. That's the end of another stimulating show. We hope you've enjoyed eavesdropping on our conversation, picked up some tips, learned something new, or at the very least feel inspired. If you just joined us, you missed a lot, the podcast will be on the website, arteballpfm.com.au, and you can connect with me to continue the conversation, Jackie Mitchell, on social media or at brandstorm.com.au. Thank you today to our worldly and thought-provoking guests. We look forward to your company next Friday. Friday at 11am. In the meantime, keep taking care of your business.